You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 9. If you would like to follow along in a Bible, that's going to be in your New Testament, one of the four accounts of the life of Christ written by a first century follower of Jesus who wasn't one of the original 12, but got very close to some of them, traveled with a guy by the name of Paul. And so he's going to write and give us a very orderly account of the life of Christ. We're in this series, Shades, so close to God that you need sunglasses. And I want to welcome those of you who are listening by podcast. And again, those of you who might be guests today, you should know that we have a Riverside app. You can go into the app store on your device and download that for free. And inside of that app, you'll find all of the events that are going on, as well as uh, all of our messages and the podcast information is in there as well. So if you want to follow along digitally with notes, you can do that. Those are in the app and under the live event section. And then if you like paper notes or something just to scribble on or make an airplane, whatever you need to do here in these next little bit, a uh, few moments, uh, there are paper notes in your bulletins if you'd like to follow along there. So we have been in this series, Shades, and each of these weeks we've been talking about bright encounters with God and getting so close to God that you need shades. And so our hope is, is that throughout each of these messages that kind of begin to really tie together in our text today, that you will experience the glory of God for yourself. Now, in thinking about this, I want to just begin by saying how many of you have ever really, really, really gotten a hideous, awful sunburn. Like you thought maybe it was like third degree burn, like just horrific awfulness. Okay. So how many of you by show of hands typically don't burn? You could be out all day long and just not get a burn. How many of you? Okay. For those of you, I don't like you. I'm very jealous of you, but I'm glad you're here this morning. I wish I had your spare. Uh, I wish you. I, I wish you had my fair skin. I wish you had to deal with what I have to deal with. In our family, it's lather up 50 plus block, and I, they say you know beyond whatever it doesn't even help. If I could find 1500 block, I would go for that. But my kids, you know, one of the things, I don't know what you fight about in your home, and one of the things that, you know, in our home, there's a constant source, especially when our children were younger, until they had firsthand experienced a sunburn, there was a constant argument and a constant fight about putting on sunscreen. How many of you have fought with your children or you have fought with your parents over the whole issue of sunscreen and hating to put it on? Yes, well, not until you firsthand experience a blistering sunburn. I mean the kind that you are thanking God that aloe vera was created, that ibuprofen was made available to us, and you're taking it as much as you can because you can't even put on a shirt. You, you're not, you know, you're wearing the shorts up to here because everything is burned all the way down, and you're begging God and pleading with Him for mercy. That's one thing to hear that secondhand, to have secondhand knowledge of what it's like to have a sunburn. It's a whole nother thing to have the firsthand experience. You know what I'm talking about? If you've never experienced it, got nothing for you. But for those of us who have, you know how incredibly awful a sunburn really is. What we're hoping today, what we've been praying as a team, is that you would not just hear about God secondhand, but that you would have a firsthand experience with God for yourself that you wouldn't just live vicariously through other people, but that you yourself 
would experience the glory of God in such a way that your life will never be the same. And so if you're exploring faith in Jesus, if you're investigating the claims of Christ and Christians and what it means to be a follower, no better place for you to be here today. And I'm so glad that you're here because I've been praying fervently this week for you that as you are here in this place, that you yourself would encounter God in a very real and transformative way. The text that we're going to look at takes place kind of in the middle of Luke chapter 9, and that's where we're going to be headed this morning. And in the early verses of Luke 9, there was a conversation that Jesus had with his closest disciples, the 12 people that he had handpicked, hand-selected to follow him. And in that moment, he asks them a simple question, one that we actually, all of us, have to wrestle with. And the question was this. Jesus said to them, he said, who do people say that I am? And for you, in your own journey of faith, who do you think Jesus was and is today? And you have to come to a place where you can answer that. They debated it a little bit and they gave some answers. And then Peter, one of the very closest, in fact, the second in command to Jesus, if you will, of the disciples, he says, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the Redeemer, the Rescuer, the one that we've been looking for. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And in that moment, he, he affirms the deity of who Jesus is as God in flesh, the Son of God. And in that moment, Jesus says, yes, you're right, Peter. And then he takes them, a few of them, up to a mountain to reaffirm and to reestablish it clearly in their minds, his divinity and his authority as God Almighty. And that's what we're gonna see as we begin to pick up the story in Luke chapter nine and verse 28. Here's what it says about this encounter that they have. It says about eight days after Jesus said this, after he'd been doing some teaching and after they'd had this conversation, he took Peter, John, and James, his inner circle, if you will, with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. The thought that I want you to notice here as we begin is that Jesus invites us to experience his glory. Now, they go up on top of this mountain, Mount, may have been Mount Hermon, might have been Mount Tabor, might have been Mount Sinai. It, it, there's a lot of different discussions about what it might have been specifically. We don't know. But we know that there was an invitation and they went up there with him. Think about this summer. How many of you, by show of hands, have been to a graduation party this summer? You've been to a birthday party, uh, a baby shower, wedding shower, or you've been invited to a wedding, perhaps. We have all of these experiences where we get the invitations, and aren't the invitations today so like complex and amazing? It's just impressive. But we love getting the invitation. We love seeing what it is that we've been invited to. But what about that moment when you're invited to something, and then you find out that somebody that you're close to wasn't invited. Ever have that happen where you think, oh, they'll surely have been invited, but then they weren't, and you have that awkward moment? Or even worse, when you find out that this is going on, this event or that event, whatever it might be, and everybody else is invited and you've been left out. Isn't that just a hideous experience? Am I the only one that's ever had that happen to me before? Very awkward. That happened to me earlier this summer. I was going to something I thought somebody else was, and I said, and they said, no, I didn't get an invitation. <laughs> Awkward. See you later. I'm out of here. 
The great news is, and if you've never heard this before, the great news is, is that the invitation from Jesus to experience his glory is for all of us. We're no longer on a mountain, and it's not just a few of his disciples. We're all invited to experience his glory firsthand for ourselves. And as we walk through this, we're going to see how this has an implication for us. But the bottom line is that Jesus doesn't want you to be a secondhand knowledge kind of a person. He wants you to be a firsthand experiencer of his glory. It goes on in verse 29 and says, as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed. He was transfigured. It was as if he was remodeled. It was as if he was changed into another form and he literally shone like the sun and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. He became white as light, another text says. The thought here is that we are to experience his glory in prayer. He invites us to experience his glory and then he takes them to this mountaintop to experience this transfiguration, this change, and it happens in the context of prayer. And I wish I knew the content of all of Jesus' prayers, especially these right now in this moment. Don't you? Wish I knew exactly what he was saying up there on top of the mountain. I'm not saying that when you and I pray that we're going to light up like lightning, okay? That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that when you seek his presence, when you invite his Holy Spirit, when you seek him, when you seek his glory, God shows up and he brings himself there. And what happens when we pray, if we're praying the kind of ways that Jesus teaches us to pray, it's not just a laundry list of God, give me this and give me this and take me out of that and help me not to experience this and help me to avoid that. When we pray like Jesus taught us to pray and like the early followers prayed, the prayer changes us and we experience that glory of God inwardly. When we pray the kinds of prayers that say, God, Help me to see as you see so that I can do as you say. That can be transformation for us. God, help me to see as you see the circumstances, the situations that I'm facing, the interactions. Help me to see as you see so that I can do as you say. You'll begin to experience transformation when you pray those kinds of prayers that bring the glory of God into intersection with your everyday life. Those are the kinds of prayers that get you so close to God that you need sunglasses. In fact, Jesus' brother James wrote to a group of early followers and he said, you know what? Come near to God and he'll come near to you. And so we felt led as a staff, as we do a lot of times at this time of the year, to pray today, to actually apply what it is that we're talking about. And we wanted to do it in a very specific way. And so if you are a teacher an administrator, a faculty person in a school, in a home, if you're homeschooling or if you're cyber schooling, I'm going to ask you to stand. And all the teachers are hating me right now. I get it. But do we have teachers here in the room? We've got a few that are teaching. Okay. Any administrators, principals, superintendents, anybody like that? All right. So we're going to pray for you guys. You can just stay standing with me if you would. If you're a junior higher or a senior high student, I want to pray for you. If you're headed off to college, would you please stand as well? If you're going to be in grad school, would you stand? Everybody that's going to be in school, you're headed in. Everybody's hating me. I get it. All right. We're going to pray for you. All right. Now, 
If this is your first time here, we don't do this often, but if you would like to, if there's somebody standing next to you and you wanna put a hand on their shoulder or you wanna grab them by the hand and pray for them, you are more than welcome to do that. I don't wanna freak anybody out, so nobody do anything weird. I'm just gonna pray. And I'm gonna ask for God's blessing upon you because it's in these moments that we experience the glory of God as we seek him together in prayer. So Heavenly Father, you know every person that's here today as they head back to school this week and in the coming weeks, some leaving home, some transitioning into new environments, new schools, teachers that are gonna be dependent upon you, faculty, administrators that are gonna need your help, parents that are homeschooling and cyber schooling, wherever we find ourselves, I pray God for the power of your Holy Spirit to be made known to these folks. Lord, help them to be the kind of people as they follow you that show that they belong to you. Help them on their campuses to be light into dark places. Help them to represent you well, to be faithful to you. If they claim to follow you, God, would you help them to live in such a way that it's a contagiousness around and about them. Help them, God, to connect with students. Help students to connect with their teachers. Help them, God, to look for ways to support and encourage those around them. Help them, Father, to have a bold faith, to have a courage. Help them to take their studies seriously. Help them to, help them to connect with their students, with the parents of their students. Help them to sense the power of your Holy Spirit, supporting them, sustaining them, giving them creativity, giving them the ability to understand the material. And God, I pray that you would do a tremendous work, that they would be able to sense your glory in these moments, but also as they enter into their classrooms, as they enter into their offices. And Lord, that you would help them to look for the moments every day where they can help extend your glory on in their environments. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Thanks for letting me pray for you. Feel free to send me nasty emails if that made you feel awkward. We continue in Luke 9 and verse 30. Two men, Moses and Elijah. Let me just pause there to remind you. If you're, if you're new today, you've not been here for the first couple of messages, all message one is, is about Moses. Message two is all about Elijah. So this would have blown the minds of the readers away, like their first century context. This Jewish audience that Matthew writes to, the, the audience that Luke writes to, they would have begun to have gotten a hold of this, that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament law. Moses is there representing the lawgiver. And Jesus was the greater than all of the prophets, uh, uh, Elijah being the top prophet. He literally outshines these great men of faith. They only witnessed God's glory, but Jesus displays God's glory. These two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor. And I would remind you that it's interesting that these are the two men that show up in these moments. These two men both had very strange departures from this life. In fact, Elijah never died. He was taken up in a whirlwind. Moses, when he died, the Bible says that he was buried by God himself and no one knew where his body was. And so you have these moments where these two men in a miraculous way show up there on the mountain with Jesus and their conversation says this in verse 31. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. 
When it says his departure, they're talking about his death, literally his exodus. And I can imagine he's standing there talking with Moses, the one that had led the Israelites out of the bondage of, of slavery, out of Egypt, where they had been in slavery for 400 plus years. And now Moses is standing there and he's saying, man, the exodus that I led is nothing compared, Jesus, to the exodus you're about to lead. Because you're not only leading people out of bondage and slavery, but you're leading them out of eternal darkness. You're rescuing them from the very bonds of of evil. And it was all going to culminate in Jerusalem at the cross, his life given so that they might have eternal life. And I can just imagine how excited Moses and Elijah are to be there, to have that conversation, to cheer Jesus on in that moment, to say, we made it and we know you're going to make it. And we'll see you on the other side at the resurrection. And they're having this conversation and the glory of God is there. It's transforming Jesus. And it says in verse 32, Peter and his companions were very sleepy. We don't know if this happened at night. We don't know why they're so sleepy, but they're tired and they're falling asleep. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. The thought here is that we are to experience his glory with others. Transformation is always best enjoyed with those that we love and are closest to, with our friends and our church extended family. Jesus here is giving Peter, James, and John a glimpse into how Jesus is the fulfillment of the past. He's there in the moment and he's going to be the future. And in this moment, they're experiencing this transfiguration in the context of community. And that's what we long for today in our generation. We want so much for you to grow together. That's why on September the 11th, we're going to have a place outside of this room in both sites here and in Oakmont where you can go and you can sign up to connect with others. We've already put the catalog out on the website. It's in the printing form right now and we'll have it for you next week. It's why every day we're releasing a new small group for you to be able to see all the connect groups that are gonna be available in the Facebook group that we have. If you're not on there, I encourage you to get on there. You can go inside the Riverside app and follow along with what's happening but we're going to have dozens of groups for you to be able to sign up for. Students on Sunday nights and senior high, Wednesday night for junior high, children on Wednesday nights for you to be in the context of relationships with others. And then on the 18th, we'll give you an opportunity to sign up for contribute groups where you can be in community with others serving and finding that you can experience his glory best when you're doing it with others. Because you weren't designed to do this life alone. You were never made for rows. You've heard me say this every time. You were made for circles. To face each other, to get to know one another, to do life together so that when the hard time comes, you can be there to support each other. And the hard times will come. The difficult times will come. The heart-wrenching moments when you feel so alone, so isolated, so empty, and you'll wish that you would have taken me up on it. Because there is nothing like experiencing the hardships in the power of relationships with others. We love it when we're doing well. We feel like we can do it alone, but then something comes our way and it feels like the world is falling apart and we need others. I can tell you as one who has received care myself in this church that there is a safe place 
It's an important decision that you will make. It's literally a path choice for you this fall to get into relationships with others because there will come times when you will get news that will so deeply rock you and you will be begging God for help and your heavenly father will say, I sent people to be in life with you in the most difficult moments. I find myself in one of those seasons today. Six years ago, I stood before you to tell you that my mother had stage four cancer and she's been gone with Jesus, celebrating with others, experiencing his glory with others for four years. And today it is with deep shock that I share with you that my father, who's sitting over here, has been diagnosed with a very rare form of prostate cancer that is inoperable and is not curable apart from a miracle. And six years ago, we needed you and we need you again now. And for those of you who are guests, I'm here to tell you that this family, we are not perfect, we're messed up in a lot of ways, but we know how to care for one another and we do care for each other. And I can tell you as one who has received care that being in community with others is what you will need when news like what we've just received this week comes your way so that you are not alone, so that you are not isolated. Not only is it a rare form of prostate cancer, but it is metastasized into his bones. And again, we're going for a second opinion in September and we're asking God. We believe what God can do. We know he can do the miraculous, but we're also enjoying every moment that we have today. And you're our family and we wanted you to know that. And it's important that as I care for you and as our team cares for you, that you know what's going on behind the scenes. And I don't wanna be a place, hear me on this, I do not wanna be a place where we all come in and we say, hey, how you doing? Yeah, it's all great, it's all good, fine. You, all, you have your answer ready before I even ask you a lot of times. I know, how you doing? Fine. But inside, there's a, just an ugly darkness and a deep depression or a really spinning out of control fear and insecurity. And I wanna lead the way in telling you that we're hurting and this is scary and this is difficult. Our faith is deeply planted in the Lord Jesus Christ and his supremacy over everything, including cancer. But we also know what the doctors have told us, so we're gonna enjoy every moment of the time that we do have. And I will tell you as we have updates. But I'm so, so thankful that we can experience his glory in the hard times and in the positive and in the good times. When we do it together, you weren't designed to be isolated. You weren't designed to do it alone. The text goes on in Luke 9 and verse 33, and it says, as the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, or Lord, or Rabbi. He says, it's good for us to be here. Let's put up three shelters or memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. <laughs> and then I love the parenthetical phrase that either Luke mentions on his own, or uh, Peter told him this, or one of the other disciples says, he didn't have any idea what he was saying. He was completely out of his mind. 
Translation, the David Kennard version, he was peeing his pants and he just started running at the mouth, all right? He did not know what he was saying. Verse 34, while he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them. They were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son, my beloved son, my dearly loved son, whom I have chosen, listen to him. And in these moments, again, you see the connection of the prophetic words in Psalm and the prophetic words in Isaiah and the connection of all of this. They would have been experiencing this in the first century, reading this and seeing how it all fits together, how Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And when the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. Matthew tells us that Jesus came over and he touched them. Get up, he said, don't be afraid. When they looked up, they found that Moses and Elijah were gone and Jesus was all alone. The disciples kept, them to them, kept this to themselves, did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen. And we find out again from the other records that Jesus specifically commanded them, it's not time to tell this yet, keep it to yourself. And the thought here is that we experience his glory through obedience. When the voice in the cloud speaks, you keep quiet. Transformation in those moments happens, and it is best that we keep our mouth shut in those experiences with God. And this left such an incredible mark on Peter's life that the very, I think it's the second message in the book of Acts that, that Peter gets up to preach. And it's in Acts chapter three. If you want to go there, you can. But this moment that he's preaching at the temple, he's telling them that Jesus is the new Moses. He's trying to convince these people who have been looking for Jesus. Now he's dead and resurrected. And he's at the right hand of the father. Peter's teaching this and he refers back, connecting Jesus, the experience that he went through to the prophetic words of Moses to show them from Deuteronomy chapter 18. And here's what he says as he quotes that in Acts 3. Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me, that's referring to Jesus uh, and, and Moses there, a prophet from, like me from among your own people. Notice this, you must listen. You must listen to everything, not selective listening, but to everything that he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Wow. I mean, what was it that Jesus had been saying? To what should they, should they have been listening? To what should they obey? And we see that earlier in Luke 9 as Jesus makes some very, very pointed comments, very, very critical commands for us as his followers. Here's what he says in Luke chapter nine. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the son of man will be ashamed of them when he comes into his glory and in the glory of the father and of the holy angels. We experience his glory when we embrace what he has commanded us to do. We obey it. We don't just, yeah, you know, those are, might've been some really good suggestions or kind of some general guidelines. No, Jesus says it's all about self-denial, submission, 
full devotion and private as well as public allegiance to him. So how do those challenging words land with you today? What are the implications of what Jesus says there to you as it relates to your home life, your work life, your professional life, going back to school and your campus? What are the implications in your finances? You see, this goes and and branches out into every area of our lives as his followers. We experience his glory, and if you're saying, you know, I haven't experienced his glory for a long time, what's the last thing that you heard him tell you to do? And maybe you haven't done it. And today is your day to stop listening only and to follow through on it and to obey. And for some of us, the universal call for all of us is to deny ourselves. And we hate doing that. To submit to him and not to our will, but to his will be done. And to acknowledge that he is supreme over us and we will obey and we will follow through and we will die to ourselves and every single day we'll pick up that cross and follow him. But when we do that, we will experience the glory that he offers us because you see that invitation that Jesus extends us, extends to us, he knows that we won't experience his glory until we go into the suffering, until we share in following him all the way to our own crosses, denying ourselves. And he invited them that day and his invitation is extended to all of you. So my challenge, my hope, my prayer is that you would accept the invitation to experience his glory. You see, without accepting his invitation to experience his glory, you will only be a secondhand hearer. You will only have secondhand knowledge. But he longs for you to have firsthand experience with his transformative power. And the same power that raised Christ from the dead, that was there, that fell upon Jesus, came radiating out of him, is the same power that allows you to follow him today. And that's really awesome news. It's good news. If you haven't experienced it for yourself, you can in these moments this morning. So imagine you're Peter and you've had this experience. You've confessed that he's Christ. You saw him transfigured. You saw him dead. You thought he was gone. You thought death, hell, and the grave had won, but then you saw him resurrected. You knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that he was who he says he was. He is who he says he is. How would that impact the rest of your life? We have a glimpse into how it shaped Peter's life in one of his writings, and I want to wrap it up with these words. He describes here in 2 Peter 1 how important it was that he experienced God's glory on top of that mountain. He says, I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. Peter understood that this body was not ever made to last forever. It was a tent, a temporary dwelling. He says, because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And history tells us that he did just that, that he was crucified for Jesus. And he couldn't stand to be crucified in the same way as his Savior. And so he asked the Roman soldiers to crucify him upside down because he wasn't worthy to die in the same manner as his Savior. He says, I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories 
when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power. But notice this, we were eyewitnesses. Eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. Peter would plead with you, I would plead with you to be an eyewitness, not a secondhand experiencer. Peter accepted the invitation and he became an eyewitness. He needed shades. He got so close to God that he needed shades. He obeyed. He shared the good news with others. He gave his life and he entered glory for eternity with Jesus. And if you've not experienced that today, I want to plead with you that there is an ending date to your life. And I don't want you to leave this life not having personally experienced the transformation that comes from the inside out when you put your faith in the transfigured Christ. So the question this morning for us all to wrestle with is how open are you to experiencing his glory? How are your prayers reflecting your desire to experience his glory? Who are the people that you're experiencing his glory with these days? Does your level of obedience indicate that you're seeking to experience his glory? Because it happens in prayer, it happens in the context of community, and it happens as we obey. So will you accept his invitation to experience his glory? Let's pray. As the band is coming and we're going to respond, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for inviting us to experience your brilliance in our generation. Lord, we acknowledge that in our deepest moments of honest, transparent, and dependent prayer that we sense your voice speaking. We commit to listening and following through on what you ask of us. So Lord, would you help us to silence the noise around us to make room for you to move? Lord, we admit our tendency is to drift in the quiet moments and solitude is an area that we need to grow in as your followers. We intentionally come near to you and anticipate that you'll show up in faithful and miraculous ways. Prepare us for the upcoming season of group life and Lord, would you lead us into deeper levels of self-denial as well as private and public commitment to following your will. Lord, we choose to accept the invitation to experience your powerful splendor. And in so doing, Lord, we will seek to be eyewitnesses to your magnificence today. It's in the name of the transfigured one, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.